0: Welcome Welcome to to We Need to to Talk talk About tech, Tech, where we talk about the past, present, and future of technology. On this week's episode, we're talking about more information from Samsung S21 reviews. We're talking about WhatsApp migrating some of its data over to Facebook. And we're talking about the future of fast charging cars. On to topic number one. Recently, this past week, a lot of Tech YouTubers have released, I guess, their full S21 reviews, kind of what we got right at the end of CES, January 14th, was their first impressions video. So now they've had time with the phones, and I guess due to the embargo being lifted, they're allowed to publish their reviews of the phones, what they think of them. Uh, I guess, have you gotten a chance to watch some of these reviews and some of these videos and read some of these, and I guess... Has your idea of the phone changed since then? Uh, what do you think of these?
1: My opinion has definitely changed in the past week. And it's it's funny that you mentioned that because I remember um, in the last podcast, I was talking about, yeah, I wasn't super hyped on, on these devices because it's all about specs. And then you mentioned, no, you actually really liked them. You like the design. You like the kind of idea that was going behind the S21 um, devices in both the base and the Ultra with the idea of dropping the price down. Um, and, and adding some features in certain cases, like with the Ultra, with the S Pen. And it seems like that really translated in the, in the reviews. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of very, very positive reviews. Um, it seems like the idea around the S21 or the reception of the S21 is much higher uh, than the S20 was. And I think that's really good to see because when the S20 came out, a lot of the reviews at that time was like hey these phones are very expensive and a little disappointing and we kind of saw that carry over with the note 20 series but with the s21 i think samsung seems to have hit a good price um good price ratio and then on top of that uh, a good feature set for the phones that you know if you're going to get an s20 uh s21 or an s21 ultra there's a good variance of what you're paying for Um, In terms of value, which I think is good. That being said, for me, they're still not the phones for me. I'm much more into the budget um, line. I would be really actually interested to see what the new A series looks like, um, because a lot of times the A series does kind of take a lot of inspiration from the mainline Galaxy S uh, series phones. But yeah, I think it would be really good to see where the more budget line of of Samsung goes and then also really interested to see if Note comes along, um, still comes along even though the S21 Ultra kind of has a lot of those features and if it does, what does it look like? But how about you? Uh, I remember last week you were saying, yeah, you actually kind of like the phones, you like the design. Um, Have you got to see any of the reviews and uh,
0: does that opinion stay? I've seen some of the reviews, and I'd say my opinion is still pretty much the same. I don't know. I was kind of like I mentioned in the last podcast, right? They, there's some features I guess that they've taken away, like the fourteen forty P on the base S twenty one models. Um, you know, they've taken away the micro SD card slot. There's a few things that they've stepped down, but the fact that every phone is kind of two hundred dollars cheaper than it was. Mm-hmm. It it makes a lot of sense to me. I think I said before, it's kind of, it seems like a very consumer friendly thing where, okay, yes, we're giving you, maybe not the highest resolution. We're taking the charger out of the box. There's no more headphones in the box, but it's $200 cheaper. I don't know. I feel like if this phone started at $1,000, the reviews wouldn't be as good as this. Now, like you said, you know, One thing that you're excited for is what the A-Series looks like. Right at the end of 2020, Samsung released the S20 Fan Edition, right? Which was pretty much the same specs as their flagship phones, just way cheaper and plastic back. So I'd be excited to see what the, if they decide to do it, you know, the S21 Fan Edition looks like at the end of this year. And kind of one thing that we said when we saw these new, you know, Snapdragon 888 chips is... Now that the top level is triple eight, that kind of means that the next level down is at 875. Mm-hmm. So that means that the budget phones or the mid-range phones that we get are going to be that much better than they were last year. So I still like these phones. I like the design change. I like that they're sort of trying to, I guess, not really hide the camera bump, but making it more a part of the phone as opposed to just mm-hmm. this big slab in the middle of your phone. But I... Uh, I like the design of these phones. I like the price of the phones. I like, I guess, where Samsung is headed, but I do like the Ultra a lot. I And I know I said before, I, I think they might be getting rid of the, uh, the Note series, but the fact that, okay, there's no micro SD card slot in this, and yes, you can use a stylus, but there isn't really a spot for the stylus, and it doesn't, let's say, at least the stylus they have out right now, the S Pen they have right now, it doesn't have the same sort of functionality as the stylus with the Note does. I, I'm going to go back. I think they are going to come out with the Note 21 Ultra, I guess, this year. But uh, I think a lot of the features that they took away, like the micro SD card slot, are going to show up in the Note 21 Ultra. So it still gives, I guess, you know, the Android purists, the people who want all the top-notch features. And like you said, the people who are loyal to the Note lineup, they still have something to look forward to. And I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, they take the same design, I guess, language that they started with this S21 series and continue it into the Note, where it's going to have, I guess, an even bigger camera hump. Maybe now it's not a bump anymore. It's a camera hump. So,
1: yeah, that, that's that's a really good point of this gives, you know, unfortunately, some of the features leaving the the regular S21 line does give a little bit more room for Note. To kind of pick up um, where those phones left off. And yeah, I, I definitely uh, I agree with you with like, I do think the Note will stay. At least I hope it does, um, because it does have very good brand recognition with a lot of c- customers. Um, and one thing I do want to say a while ago, we talked about the Snapdragon 888 and, you know, how it was going to hopefully really change pictures in Android phones and kind of bring it a little bit more even or just photography in general pictures videos um cameras on the phones we're going to get a little bit better closer to pixel closer to iphone um in in that regard and then we talked a little bit about the Xiaomi phone that used that that processor and the idea was that you know maybe it wasn't really reaching the the levels that people expected from you know the the discrete processing cores for for cameras that the 888 was supposed to have The one thing that really kind of surprised me by a lot of the reviews on the um, S21 wasn't that, you know, the reviewers unanimously thought the cameras were great. But to my eyes, looking at the pictures and the videos that the cameras were taking, I was very, very impressed. Um, And it looked like a lot of it was computational. um, From One of the things that that impressed me the most I I talked about last um, podcast was uh, the producer mode. Um, where you can switch between different cameras in real time and see the previews. But then also the stabilization of when you're recording videos. It's really quite amazing to see how steady the videos are. It's almost like the camera or the phone was on a tripod or something like that, or a gimbal, where the video looks so steady even when you're moving. And it was really impressive to see how the S21 used the cameras. And I think that was, for me one of the big differentiating factors on how I kind of changed my opinion on it a little bit on that, you know, these expensive flagship phones are starting to get great cameras like the iPhone and like the pixel and in, in, uh, terms with the, uh, S 20 line or the S 21 line, like you said, it got cheaper. So closer in line with the pixel five, but also I think it does, at least for my eyes, I don't have the 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 phone, either of the phones in person. But from my eyes, looking at the videos, I think the S21 does videos better than the Pixel 5, um, which is interesting. And I think that could be the kind of benefit of getting a flagship processor, like an 888 over some of the more budget ones. um, Is that, okay, it adds these little extra features to cameras and stuff like that. And if you don't need that, then you can step down and maybe get an 875 with a fan edition and save a few dollars.
0: Yeah, I think... One general consensus, I guess, from the reviews that I saw was, I guess, how well the cameras were doing. Like you said, the iPhone is known as one of the top cameras. The Pixel brand has always been one of the top. Or not always, but I guess since the Pixel 2, it's been one of the top cameras. I did see a few people who reviewed them and actually said, hey, this S21 and S21 Ultra at times are actually taking better photos than the Pixel. Mm Mm-hmm which I guess goes to show what the the new Snapdragon chip can do computationally. One cool thing with the Ultra, not with the regular S21. So they, I think they have a total of four lenses on them, but they have a 3X optical zoom and a 10X optical zoom, which allows them to zoom in up to 30 times optically. Now, usually... Your cameras have about like a 3x. I think the iPhone 12 has a two time zoom. So, just the fact that you can go up to 30 times zoom and it's just with the lens, not with, you know, extra digital processing afterwards, means you're going to get that much of a clearer photo. Now, Samsung is still advertising their 100x space zoom for the S21 Ultra. It's improved from last year, but what's really cool is, I guess, how far they can zoom in with the 3x and the 10x lenses and how much clearer it's making those images and then in turn even making the the images where they're not zoomed in as closely better like one thing that they're doing instead of having a separate macro lens on the ultra at least they're able to zoom in so far with the three times and ten times zoom that it's hey whatever you would normally use a macro for the software is able to sense that and then just switch to a 10x zoom, so you still have that macro look without having to use a separate macro lens, which I think is pretty cool, because a lot of times you'll see, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, someone will say, oh, we have four cameras on the back, but, like, two of those four cameras are two megapixels, and you're literally just throwing it in there to say you have an extra camera, whereas with Samsung, it seems they actually have a usable camera that's able to do more things than just okay it can only do 10 times zoom or it can only do you know a macro shot now you have one camera that's doing multiple things for you and i feel like the snapdragon is a big part of why that's able to happen yeah yeah i agree let's say you have the s21 ultra would you get an s pen for it or would you just wait and get a note instead assuming the note 21 ultra comes out.
1: Honestly, I would just get the S pen for it. Um, for me, the idea of the S pen using it on the go doesn't really make too much sense to me. Um, but I can understand there are a lot of people who would want that for me. It would be more like, uh, you know, when I'm sitting at a desk or something like that, that's when I'd want to use the S pen and just the idea that you could pick it up for as little as like $40. Um, or even just use an S pen that I already have, uh, to me is a huge, huge benefit. I, I would definitely like that. Um, but I think for a lot of people, um, it's going to be interesting to see if Samsung can convince, if they really want to get rid of the note line, which I don't know if they do, but let's say they did. It's going to be interesting to see how they convince people to one, get an, uh, S 21 ultra two buy a case, um, and a pen separately if they want those note features i think it's just easier for them to advertise a note device with everything all included um and a place to store the pen
0: in the phone i think it just makes more sense for a lot of those customers um but how about you i i don't know i'm kind of leaning towards the same direction that you are but the tricky thing is right once the note comes out if it does come out we're gonna have to see what features they add on yeah right because they can't just be an S Pen now, right? It can't just be an S Pen because with the Ultra, you have an S Pen. So you have the 100x space zoom. You have the 3 and 10x optical zoom. What else are you going to throw into this note package that is going to entice people to not just get the Ultra? Yeah. I guess that's going to be the main thing because it can't be, oh, well, you have a convenient place to store your pen. Well, okay, you could get a case. So it's going to have to be you have more features with the note, and it's going to be, I guess, a comparable price to a S21 Ultra plus an S Pen. So, right now, seeing the S21 Ultra with the S Pen, it looks like a great package to me. Out of if I were to get one of these phones, that's probably the one I would go with, but even then, again, I don't like, I've never use a note like that i've had a a note before just to kind of you know play around with you can doodle on sort of like you know you have your little cousins over oh look what this phone can do i have a stylus for it you can i don't know draw spongebob on it but other than that i i don't see myself using the s pen that frequently so it's hard to say i don't i think i would probably go for the s21 ultra and then if I find I need the S Pen, I could add it on later as opposed to if you get the note, then it's like, all right, well, you have this S Pen, so you better find a reason to use it. Right.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times you're paying an extra premium to say you have the S Pen. So, you know, finding that use for it becomes really important. And I think the one of the reasons why I kind of have faith in Samsung to bring some value proposition to the note. Is I think they in the past they have done a very good job of introducing new ideas to cell phones. Like there, there was a time when the Note was a crazy idea. Um, you know, when there was the Galaxy S2 and Galaxy S3 and all these phones, where just regular phones, the idea of a, a phone with a with a stylus um, almost seemed like going backwards to a lot of people. Uh, but they made it. A very popular device and you know they've been doing this for years with the fold and you know even some of the more niche products like the galaxy mega um i do think that this gives samsung the ability to get a little bit different with the note maybe make it a very large device um maybe like a 6.9 inch or a seven inch screen or something like that and maybe find a way to make it feel very um, or feel smaller, maybe with very minimal bezels and stuff like that, or even kind of bring new technologies into it. Like maybe they decide they want to bring in um, new versions of face scanning or fingerprint scanning, or even AR features like what the iPhone does. Um, I think this gives Samsung the ability to get a little bit risky with the note series Um, because, you know, for someone who wants that traditional experience can just get uh, S S21 Ultra.
0: Yeah. Uh, I guess anything else for the S21 phones?
1: Um, the one thing I will say is just I, based on a lot of the reviews that I've seen, a lot of people are mentioning that the pen that's available for the S21 is not an active stylus. Um, I just want to make it very clear. I mentioned this a little bit in the last podcast. That doesn't mean too much. Like tr- the way the S pen works, it's not like um, Apple's pencil where it needs battery to work or do any of the functions to make it accurate or a good drawing or writing tool. With the S Pen, it's almost entirely passive across every product, whether it's the Note or you know the tablets, it's always going to be mostly a passive device. The active features, which I think a lot of reviewers aren't really mentioning, are very extra stuff. It has nothing to do with writing or drawing. It's very much controlling slides through Bluetooth, like really extra stuff And if you did want that, you could get a pen that supports that. For example, the one that comes with the Tab S6 or something like that. So I don't think it's anything that anyone needs to be worried about. If you hear something like, oh, it's a passive pen, it doesn't mean that you're losing out on uh, a lot of the features that you need from a pen. Uh, So I just want to get that out there.
0: Also, they are supposed to be releasing, I guess, an active pen later on in the year, whether it's the, the S Pen Plus or S Pen Plus pro mm-hmm. they are going to release a pen later on with bluetooth so you can you know use it to change slideshow slides you can use it to as a remote to take pictures you can use it for that sort of stuff or you could use an older S pen that you already have yeah. or it's something for a different device so our second topic of the day recently uh WhatsApp I guess updated its privacy policy they removed i guess a few sections about how they will be sharing and storing data with Facebook, which caused a lot of headlines, I guess, around the internet and around the media, which actually caused a lot of people to leave WhatsApp and move to other messaging applications like Signal and Telegram. How do you feel about this updated privacy policy and what it means for WhatsApp and what it means for newer messaging applications?
1: Yeah, so um, I haven't used WhatsApp in years in a very, very, very long time. Um, and the one thing that kind of surprised me a little bit was that this wasn't already the case, that there wasn't already uh, communication between Facebook and WhatsApp. And just to go into a little bit of details, some of the high-level stuff that was coming up in this um, update to the, the privacy policy, um, so uh, this is directly from the app update page. It says, key updates include uh, more information about WhatsApp services and how we process your data, how businesses can use Facebook-hosted services to store and manage their WhatsApp chats, how we partner with Facebook to offer integrations across the Facebook company products. So those last two ones are, are ones that I found very interesting Of that I was kind of surprised didn't already happen i thought that when um, facebook spent a lot of money to purchase whatsapp that whatsapp would become the new version of facebook messenger Um, and it seems like the idea behind this update and privacy policy was that facebook is makes a lot of money from customers interacting with businesses Um, it's, it's a really good tool for businesses to get their name out there and to contact customers Recently, we've seen a lot of of this kind of communication happen through things like Twitter. So the idea of communicating with a business through social media has not really been, it's a pretty common thing. So it seems like what uh, Facebook really wanted was more integration between the business side of Facebook, so Facebook uh, businesses being able to contact and have chats with customers through WhatsApp, um, and then also have the ability to purchase uh, things through WhatsApp, through, uh, through the Facebook infrastructure, like Facebook Pay and stuff like that. Um, and even, even further integration, where if Facebook wanted to get into products, there could have been something like, for example, the Facebook portal, where you could then use, have full integration between WhatsApp, where you can make video calls through Facebook uh, portal, on your WhatsApp and have it like completely integrated with your Facebook account. And we've seen Facebook make these aggressive moves into kind of bridging their their properties together into one. Um, We spoke about it previously with Oculus and how Facebook was now forcing Oculus customers and users to use their Facebook account with their devices. Uh, So it seemed like this was something that they were very much planning from the beginning of bringing all the companies into the fold um, and just being Facebook under Facebook umbrella. Um, and I, I think that scared a lot of people because you know the the best part about WhatsApp and what drew a lot of people to it was that it was a messaging service that was much more powerful than traditional text messaging. You could have these big groups and instant messaging and read receipts and stuff like that, while at the same time having your conversation encrypted from end to end. And the idea of Facebook kind of getting in between that, and deciding, oh, maybe this, we want some data from here, maybe we want some data from there, I think made uh, a lot of uh, WhatsApp users a little uncomfortable with the idea of, well, that's not why I wanted WhatsApp in the first place. I wanted it to be its own separate thing. I didn't want it because I wanted to be in Facebook's ecosystem. If I did, I would have used Facebook Messenger. Um, and I think we've seen for a while that Facebook Messenger has not been successful, but WhatsApp is wildly successful. I think. Facebook would love to find a way to integrate those, but uh, it's going to be interesting because since the backlash, Facebook has delayed their their changes to kind of integrate uh, WhatsApp into uh, Facebook proper uh, until February. Uh, what's the date here? I think February eighth. February eighth. Yes, February eighth, twenty twenty one is when they will um, they paused the update up until then. And I think this is this is an interesting move because I think this is one way to kind of pacify a lot of the the people who are frustrated by this. Maybe they don't switch to another um, app and by February 8th, they forget about it. But um, I think Facebook kind of showing their hand a bit is going to encourage a lot of people who are a little bit more tech savvy to maybe look for an alternative. But I think, unfortunately, the reality is a lot of people who use WhatsApp use it because it's the thing that everyone in their family uses and maybe they're not uh, 100% tech savvy and they see this message pop up on their screen and they just click I agree and they don't even read it or they don't even notice anything's changed. And I think that is unfortunately going to be the majority of people until or unless enough people make a big enough uh, or have a big enough problem with it that it makes you know really big waves in the media and stuff like that. Um, But how about you, do you use WhatsApp and uh, do you know anyone that uses WhatsApp or has any issues with this kind of policy?
0: Um, I use WhatsApp fairly frequently. I have like, I guess a few family groups that I uh, communicate with people on WhatsApp. And it's an interesting point you brought up, right? It's most people, when they get an updated privacy statement, it's kind of, they click, yep, I accept. They don't read it. I didn't read whatever the last update was. And I didn't find out about, I guess, this change in policy until I read a headline somewhere, mm-hmm. right? And people aren't really going to switch until the people that they want to talk to are on a different platform, right? Zoom wasn't really a thing until all of a sudden, well, yeah, my cousin has a Zoom account and they're, my family's having, a, I don't know, some sort of get together on Zoom. So now I got to download Zoom. Yeah that's kind of how things work. So until I guess enough people start switching over to a different platform, I think WhatsApp is going to stay as popular and as I guess successful as it is one interesting thing. So telegram, one of the apps that people switch to on the 12th of January. So this is kind of like right when the news that Hey, WhatsApp is updating their, terms of services and they're starting to share more data with Facebook. Once that news broke, Telegram surpassed 500 million active users. Jeez. 25 million new users joined in the last 72 hours. <laughs> 38% came from Asia, 27 from Europe, 21% from Latin America and 8% from other areas, but it shows how powerful I guess like a negative headline could, I guess, affect. Now, just you know, 500 million active users, 25 million in 72 hours, doesn't necessarily mean that they came from WhatsApp, doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to stop using WhatsApp. But I'm sure other companies out there are are loving this kind of situation, right? So much of what makes a company successful is what they are in the public eye. So the fact that WhatsApp is kind of being brought down a peg means that other companies like Telegram, like Signal are being brought up a peg. Um, One interesting thing about all of this news, though. So when it all first broke, a lot of the focus was around WhatsApp is now sharing user data with Facebook and everyone obviously didn't. Well, I'm not going to say obviously, but a lot of people don't trust Facebook because they don't have the best track record when it comes to, I guess, privacy of consumers and collecting data around consumers. Now, Facebook acquired WhatsApp back in 2014. Apparently, in 2016, they made changes to their privacy policy where it said that, hey, we will be WhatsApp will be sharing your data with Facebook. This is back in 2016. Mm-hmm. So since 2016, WhatsApp has been sharing customer or I guess consumer data with Facebook. The new update that everyone's kind of uh, that has garnered headlines is actually more focused around what they're doing with, I guess, business data. Like you said, a lot of businesses are using WhatsApp to communicate with people. Mm-hmm what this new i guess update is saying is consumer chats and profile data when you're talking with a business is being stored on facebook servers yeah now you mentioned whatsapp being encrypted on both ends that's still and now this is also a statement from whatsapp this is still being done you know this new updated uh I guess privacy policy isn't affecting end-to-end encryption between two people. If you talk with your cousin on WhatsApp, if you have a video call with your you know, sister on WhatsApp, that's still being encrypted on both ends. And WhatsApp can't see what's happening. Facebook can't see what's happening. But when you are talking with a business, for instance, and most of the times if you have a phone call with a business for whatever reason, they'll say at the beginning, just so that you know this phone call is being recorded for training purposes, right? So I guess what this new headline is kind of supposed to be pointing out or what this new privacy policy is supposed to be pointing out is that since so many people are communicating with businesses on WhatsApp, we will now be storing said communications on WhatsApp. So if you do communicate with someone, we want you to know that there's a possibility or probability that you're conversation is being stored for later for training purposes or for whatever. Mm -hmm. But I guess in so in searching through the privacy policy, people realize that, hey, WhatsApp is sharing our information with Facebook, but it's been going on since 2016. Yeah. Now, like I said, they can't, you know, they can't see your messages. They can't see your phone calls with other people. They can't see photos or videos that you share with other people. With businesses, they can, but what WhatsApp has been sharing since 2016 is stuff like your account information, so like your username, phone number, how long, how often you use WhatsApp, how you use the app, your IP address, what operating system you're on, what mobile network you're connected to, that sort of stuff they have been collecting and sharing since 2016. Right when they announced this back in 2016, four years ago, there was a temporary, I guess, opt-out period where if you read the terms and services like no one ever does, you could have opted out and said, hey, I don't want all my personal information being shared with Facebook. And they would have said, okay, we're not going to share it with Facebook. But (laughs) that was in 2016. So if you joined after 2016 it's long gone. You don't have the chance to opt out anymore. Or if you missed the opt out period, well, sorry, you don't have the the (laughs) chance to opt out anymore. So a lot of, I guess a lot of the headlines have kind of been drawn attention for the wrong thing in a way, but it still is true that WhatsApp is sharing a lot of your information with Facebook. I'm sure in the, in an attempt to get you to use WhatsApp more and use other Facebook products more like marketplace like Facebook pay like all kinds of other Facebook services and i guess one one question that i have is how this relates to i guess the whole anti-competitive nature of Facebook cuz way back last year 2020 years ago <laughs> a year ago you know there was that whole congressional hearing around Facebook being, or not just Facebook, but Facebook and other tech companies being anti competitive. You have a competitor, instead of making your business better, you just buy them to cancel out your competition. So, you know, Face or WhatsApp becoming more and more integrated into Facebook, like you said, nobody really uses WhatsApp Messenger like that. It's not as successful. So now that these are slowly merging together, right? Does this kind of prove Congress's point that, hey, this is anti-competitive. You're not trying to make WhatsApp better. You're trying to make yourself better by stomping out and buying your competition.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. And it also begs the question, Did does Facebook have the ability to make a product really good? Because we talked about this um, previously, all of Facebook's. Best, most popular products are stuff they acquired, whether it's Instagram, whether it's uh, WhatsApp, whether it's Oculus. You, people talk all the time about, oh, I don't use what, uh, Facebook anymore. Almost two decades ago when Facebook was the biggest thing on the planet, and now it's not. But stuff owned by Facebook is still very big that they never made in the first place. So, yeah, I think it begs the question, does Facebook have the ability to make um, make a business successful? Or are they just using their capital to, to purchase up all their, their competition and, you know, just living off of that? And if that's the case, I think two things. One, if you're an investor, that seems a little scary because it kind of um, begs the question, is this company worth uh, or able to innovate? Um, but two, I think it's, it's just kind of shows maybe um, Facebook has kind of hit a wall in terms of the products they can provide and also their public opinion, their public image. And I'm glad you brought up the fact that they've been sharing data since 2016 because that's what I originally thought. I was like, wait, hasn't Facebook already started this integration policy? Um, And the one interesting thing about this whole idea with WhatsApp being brought into the Facebook fold in terms of, of the business market, where I think it's really smart on Facebook's part is it brings... And I don't know if this is something that they're planning on doing, but it brings a product to the market that I think a lot of businesses would be interested in. Um, Many businesses, if you go on their website, there's going to be a a place where you can talk with a customer service uh, agent. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, imagine a system where you pay a subscription fee to Facebook to get into a specific Facebook business um, kind of scenario. They provide you a WhatsApp phone number. They provide you a WhatsApp uh kind of contact details and they give you that whatsapp infrastructure something that is so universally u- universally used all around the world and known by like like we spoke about in a situ- similar situation to zoom by people who generally don't use tech products like it's a very far reaching audience that whatsapp has to give them the ability to say okay maybe they don't know how to go on to the website and um you know, click the chat option and stuff like that. But if you want to reduce the amount of, of agents that you have on the phone, give them a link to WhatsApp and they can just start a chat and have that conversation back and forth and back and forth. And in order for that to work properly um, with full integration to Facebook's business kind of platform, that information needs to be, be accessed by those businesses and stored on Facebook servers. So yeah, it's like, yeah, it could be a really cool product for Facebook to provide to its business customers but at the same time i think it's a perfect example of just showing how facebook does not have a great image in the public and any time you hear something of oh a facebook company is going to integrate further into facebook it always seems like it's bad news to a lot of the people who use that product which i find kind of funny
0: yeah that is something that's definitely i guess a trend to see because i mean I want to say maybe a few months ago, Instagram recently introduced the marketplace and kind of the general thing was, well, they're owned by Facebook. This is Facebook's doing. Why would I want a marketplace on my photo sharing app? I just Mm -hmm. want to share photos and look at other people's photos. I'm not trying to sell stuff on here, but I, I guess part of it is really, if you look at what Facebook is, right, it's a free social network. The only way they can make money is one by selling advertisements or two by selling information, right? They buy things, or at least this is what it seems like. They buy things to get them more information. Yeah. WhatsApp. You have people sharing photos all the time. You could see, okay, this person likes this many basketball videos. This person likes this many dog videos. Oh, they share a ton of cat videos, So they get that information and they, I guess, have a better idea of how to market you, what kind of ads you'll click on. Same thing with WhatsApp. They bought them in 2014. Since 2016, they've been able to say, oh, well, this person lives in this area. They live in this time zone. They have, I guess, they don't really know what you talk about in your chats, but they have your location information too. So let's say if you're at um, let's say Century League Field, you know, every Sunday they go to the Seattle Seahawks game. They can start getting a more complete picture of you from all the different services they offer to say, okay, how are we going to market to this person and how are we going to get them to sell? How are we going to give them this ad better? And I think, like I said, so many people switch to Telegram in a 72-hour period Just from this one headline, if the more this sort of stuff happens, the more you add unnecessary marketplaces to social media things, the more people find out how much you're truly, I guess, tracking their information and what they do on the phone, the more they're going to stop trusting you. And then now the next time Facebook buys something, people don't even wait to hear how they're being tracked now. They say, oh, Facebook bought TikTok, let's say. All right, everyone's off TikTok now yeah. because they know as soon as Facebook buys something, it's, oh, they've been sharing your data with Facebook since two years ago. And now we're just finding out about it. So what? I think I was just going to say, I was just going to say, I think this is kind of like a big sign that Facebook is kind of has a negative brand power, I guess is one way to put it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I 100% agree with you. And I mean, but imagine, imagine Facebook did own something like TikTok. And, you know, there's this great TikToker out there. And, you know, they can see the data that you really like this TikTok person. And in one of their videos, they're selling um, or they're advertising a brand of makeup or something. I don't know how TikTok works, but I'm just imagining, let's say this <laughs> happened, And then all of a sudden you get a WhatsApp message from that TikToker saying, hey, buy this makeup today. And there's a buy Facebook buy button right there. Like that kind of integration between all the products, I would imagine. And obviously, Facebook doesn't own TikTok, but they could use us between products that they already have. I would imagine that's the kind of thing that they want. They want the ability to say, you're a business. We have the largest messaging app on the planet. We can service your your products that we already know based on the data that we collected that these people like, we can send them a link to buy it right on the most popular messaging app possible. And that would be very negative to a lot of people. I think a lot of people would hate it, but at the same time, I would imagine it could work. It could be something that could work to someone who said, oh, I really like um, this celebrity's makeup. I got a link directly to my phone i could just buy it in one click because it's all integrated into my facebook account definitely a scary future
0: yeah. it seems like something out of a black mirror episode but <laughs> you know um i guess on to our final topic all right something else that could be from a black mirror episode fast charging cars and new battery technology now recently a company called store dot which is an Israeli company um came up or i guess developed a new method of charging batteries a new battery structure and they had a thousand batteries manufactured by a chinese company called eve energy now what these batteries are able to do is fully charge from zero to a full battery in five minutes which is a huge step toward electric cars becoming more mainstream a few months ago, we had an episode talking about the Hummer electric vehicle and how fast it's going to be charging. And I remember we were kind of impressed by how it could go from zero to 100 mile range in 10 minutes. This is a fully charged battery in five minutes. Yeah. So needless to say, we're pretty. Uh, I'm pretty impressed by this. How? What do you think of this story? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's it's really interesting.
1: Um, part of me finds it a little bit too good to be true, but I, I mean I think that's just the skeptic in me, and and really that's how technology works, right? Uh, electric vehicles, like we spoke about in our uh, end of the year podcast, have become more popular than ever before, and they are definitely they definitely seem to be uh, aiming towards the future of vehicles, and the idea that technology will get better as the vehicles get more popular seems like it should be, you know, the, the natural track that these things go. Um, and it seems like that this is the case with the idea that store dot has manufactured these batteries where they can fully charge within five minutes. And the idea that they're talking about, Hey, this is, this isn't like a, a pipe dream or, or some theory this is something that we have already have in practice in devices like phones and drones and scooters and stuff like that. Um, we've already put this into effect. We know it works. Um, and in fact, they, they believe that it's going to get better with the kind of materials that they use in these batteries to make them charge quickly, quickly. Um, so yeah, like the skeptic in me says, Oh, this seems too good to be true. But the idea that a car could charge in, in five minutes is incredibly amazing. And I think, If this can be adapted to a large-scale vehicle like a Tesla, like a Hummer and stuff like that in the future, and especially in the very near future, I think that's only going to accelerate the kind of obsolescence, the the idea that that gas-powered vehicles are going to become obsolete quite quickly um, because one of the main barriers to what makes electric cars practical is charging. And like we spoke about, this could be a huge game-changer in that, that entire process. Um, but how about you, you brought this to my attention. I thought this was really cool when you mentioned it to me. Um, what do you think about this whole like kind of idea that graphic uh, graphics, that <laughs> battery technology could be
0: hugely different in the very near future? I think it is a great sign, right? One of the things that we both said we were most looking forward to in 2021 was kind of where electric vehicles go in the future. You both were impressed with the GM showcase from CES 2021, and I guess the future they have for electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. And Storedot, they had a thousand batteries manufactured just to show that it's a viable technology. Like you said, it's not just some pipe dream. It's not, hey, look at this one battery we created in a lab that can charge super quickly. Look at this amazing one thing. They had an assembly line going so they could produce a thousand batteries so that they can show potential investors like, Hey, we were able to produce these batteries on scale. They can charge from zero to a hundred percent charged in five minutes. And they're doing this really to kind of, to garner more attention, more headlines, more people talking about them and get investors interested right now. They're invested in by uh damlet, BP, Samsung, and TDL. So they're they're trying to raise more money, I guess, to make this something more viable so that they could, like you said, maybe partner with a Tesla, partner with a GM, partner with a uh, Ford, Honda, Hyundai. I'm sure that what they want to do is get these batteries out into more vehicles as they're part of making the electrical future something quicker, something that's actually the electric present as opposed to the future, right? Um, Now, one thing with this, right? They've produced a thousand batteries that can charge this quickly. Now, the main thing is you need the infrastructure to support it. It's not like you can take these batteries and the cars that they're in and just, you know, bring them to any charging station and you'll be charged ready to go in five minutes. In order to upgrade the charging process, we need to upgrade the chargers that we have. With the current technology, I guess the current level of chargers that we that are readily available, um, they can't fully charge in five minutes. It's more something like 100 miles in five minutes. And like we said, with the Hummer, it's 100 miles in 10 minutes, which we were impressed by. 100 miles in five minutes, still impressive. But once that infrastructure gets built out more, which I'm sure part of them raising money for investments is trying to do. You're going to have the same charge time to fill your battery as it is to fill your tank of gas. Yeah. I'm sure technology is going to move even further where at some point it will be less time to charge your battery than it is to fill your tank of gas. And kind of like you said, you know, there's this whole anxiety around electric cars right now where it's. I don't want to drive too far because one, I don't know if my battery can make it on a round trip there and back. And two, am I going to be able to find a charger in time? Yeah. And then another part of that is, okay, once I find the charger, I'm going to have to sit on the side of the road at this charging station for an hour, just to charge my battery. But now it's five minutes. You're ready to go. I mean, this is a huge step for the future. Obviously it's just, happened right they just have the concept they've just been able to prove the concept it's going to be some time before it actually gets into vehicles and we actually see this in practice on the road but the fact that i guess they were able to produce so many batteries that were able to fully charge in five minutes is a great sign for things to come
1: yeah yeah i i completely agree and you know like you said definitely the charging network even Storedot has mentioned this. That is going to be, you know, the thing that needs to get upgraded to kind of match the performance of these these batteries. And the way they, they kind of explain it here, uh, I got a little bit from um, a Guardian article. Um, so the way they explained it is that essentially what they've done to make the batteries charge a little bit quicker is they replaced the graphite um, with a semiconductor nanoparticle, which, big words, okay, uh, but essentially what it means is that, you know, when you're charging uh, your car, the ions that are going uh, through into the battery cells um, with the, the graphite kind of material, it, it kind of, it's a, a resistance for how quickly those ions can flow. Um, whereas with their new technology, they replaced it. Um, they replaced the graphite with uh, either germanium or what they hope in the future uh, would be silicon. Um, so essentially it's less of a resistance for these ions to flow and, and kind of refuel these batteries, uh, so to speak. So it, it's interesting that, okay, yes, this is tech that is thinking the, of the way that the battery is constructed and interacts with the charging network. Um, and it's it seems, I'm no scientist, but I would imagine, you know the people who, uh, who have studied this, they think, oh yeah, this is a very kind of usable uh, method for charging batteries. Um, and unlike something like a supercapacitor which is a small kind of capacity that you charge very quickly and dissipates very quickly, this is a full fledged battery. So the, the only thing that I think is the, the remaining question to ask is what happens with the heat? Um, where does that heat get dissipated? Does it get dissipated from the charger? Meaning that maybe we need to rethink Um, how chargers are constructed completely? um, Or, you know, is there going to be a a kind of a system in the car to make sure that these batteries don't get too hot in such a a short period of time? Because the way current cars charge is, let's say, for example, you have a car that can charge at 150 kilowatts, um, but the battery is not at a particular temperature. Let's say the battery is too cold or it's too hot. It will not charge at that temperature right away. It will charge at a slower rate, until it gets to a proper temperature where that battery can handle that faster charge speed. And then it will slowly ramp up and ramp up and ramp up until it meets its max charge speed. Um, And I would imagine a similar thing would have to happen here. That being said, this opened the conversation to the idea of cars getting much closer to gas vehicles. And even if they don't reach it one for one um, in the next year or two, or even three, I think, just the idea of being able to charge 100 miles in five minutes is enough. If there's enough charging stations around, that's enough for people to say, I can daily live with this. Um, because most people don't fully charge up their cars every time they go to a gas station. Um, or I don't know, maybe most people do. I just know a lot of people who will go to a gas station, maybe go to half tank, three quarters tank, whatever they can at that time, whatever they need for the day, and then you know keep driving their cars. So obviously, there are people who will charge up 100%. Um, especially if you're going on large road trips. But in terms of just daily driving, this is a huge game changer.
0: Definitely a huge game changer. And kind of a good thing, good point you raised too, not everybody fuels up their car all the way. You said charge, but yeah, you're thinking in the future. You're in 2030. <laughs> yeah. But not everyone fuels up their car all the way when they're on the road. And the 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 thing about electric cars too, right? Let's say you're heading home from work and you need your tank is running low. You're not going to make it home. You really only need to charge. If you could get 100 miles in five minutes and you get back home and you can charge it while you're at home, yeah, that's completely different than anything you could do with a gas-powered vehicle, right? It's not like, oh, well, I only have enough gas to make it home, and then when I make it home, I got to worry about filling up the next day. All you have to do is make it home. And you can fully charge your car from there, which I think is one benefit that electric vehicles definitely have over gas-powered vehicles. Yeah, because the way it is, right? You have to go to a gas station. You're not allowed to have a gas tank at your home so you can fill up <laughs> your gas tank your 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 gas-powered vehicle when you get home. You're not allowed to do that. It's kind of illegal, right? A little bit dangerous for the community. But the fact that when you go home, or not even when you go home, right? we will get to the point where everyone is driving an electric car. And when you go to your friend's house, when you go to your cousin's house, your parents' house, say, oh man, like I just had enough to make it here. Oh yeah, you can charge in the garage. Like We're not charging. Our car is full right now. You can charge. So by the time you're ready to leave, you're good to go. You have a full charge battery. And if we actually get to the point where you can fully charge in five minutes. Then it's, you may realize as soon as you're about to leave, oh man, I got to charge the car. I don't have enough to get home. Oh yeah. Just stay for an extra five minutes and you're good to go. Yeah. Right. As opposed to now making a detour. I got to find a gas station on the way to home. I got to I know there's one at the exit. I think we can make it to the exit. And then like, this is going to completely change, I guess, the way we travel from now on. Once, we get to this electric future, I guess. One interesting thing, well, I'm also glad that you mentioned how they charge batteries because I had the same Guardian article and I was like, all right, (laughs) practicing how to say graphite semiconductor (laughs) nanoparticle. So I'm glad you handled that. Um, They mentioned, you know, we've seen the Tesla drag racing Ferraris, right? Now we're having this battery that can charge us Fast as you can fill a tank of gas. Electric vehicles are... It's proven now that, okay, they can be fast. They can be sporty. Now it's charging, or now it's proven that they can charge fast too. They can be more convenient. And the more companies like Tesla push, you know, the autopilot, and the more companies like GM push autonomous vehicles, it's going to get to the point where they're safer now also. So you have... Sporty and faster, you have better charging, uh, and then you have safer too. It's kind of they're taking over everything that gas powered vehicles have right now, yeah. So it doesn't really seem like if electric vehicles become a thing, it more seems like when electric vehicles become a thing because everything that they're kind of pushing that they're showing they're able to do it's stuff that gas vehicles aren't going to be able to do. Yeah.
1: In a lot of ways, it's like comparing a typewriter to a computer. It's like, yeah, it's, it's just more efficient in every way. And yes, there's going to be a lot of people who love typewriters. They love the way they feel. And then you get things like mechanical keyboards and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be a situation where, yeah, like we spoke about electric cars definitely seem like they are the future. And like you said, beating traditional cars in almost every single way um safer easier to fuel and you know faster like it's, it's crazy to think that this is really the future
0: um kind of the first step into the future of electric vehicles yeah i'm sure one day maybe let's say 10 years let's say actually in 2030 everyone is going to be driving an electric vehicle and it's going to be the enthusiasts like you said the people who there are still people that choose to use typewriters, mm-hmm. right? It's gonna you're gonna be a car enthusiast if you have a gas powered car. Probably more than ten years. Yeah. But it's gonna be wow. People actually drove around with a combustion engine, like you drove around with a tank full of a f- flammable liquid in your car, yeah. and you purposely had like miniature explosions going on to propel you around the place, like. You actually drove your own car. You didn't have the computer drive it for you. What were you guys thinking? Like, of course you had accidents. What like you can't drive a car? We're just humans. Like, we're going to get to that point. And I guess this is kind of like a step in that direction, but it's an interesting step nonetheless, for sure. Um, I guess anything else on these electric vehicles?
1: No, I I think they're they're really cool. Um, And yeah, I can't wait to see what company is the first to say, hey, we're going to show off a concept vehicle with this
0: battery in it. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, I'm going to throw a dart and say it's GM. Hmm. I'm going to throw another dart and say it's never going to be in a Tesla. (laughs) Unless Tesla buys this company, And then doesn't let anybody else use them. I could see that happening. But it makes more sense that um, they just partner with other companies. Because, I mean, this sort of technology, right, charging a battery, a car battery fully in five minutes, it definitely wasn't something that was easy to come up with. Yeah. Right. Which means it won't be easy to either duplicate this or even improve on it without having whatever padded in protected information they have. So it, I see them partnering with multiple car companies with Tesla not being one of them. Just how I feel. Well, going back to the throwback of the competition podcast,
1: this could maybe propel Tesla to say, oh, we can do this better. And then, you know, maybe we get an even new battery tech. You know, it's, it's kinda like when when computers were kind of exploding and then every year it was like all oh, this computer's obsolete because they found out a better way to do this. Um it could be like that with electric cars and electric car boom.
0: It could be. If Tesla shifts to battery production though, then that means that their manufacturing is just gonna be even slower to get <laughs> So I hope they just make nicer cars and leave the batteries to other people. Uh alright. I guess That's it for this episode. Take it easy, everyone in podcast land.
1: Catch you in the next episode.